0: live. Welcome to 62 Who Knew to our latest edition here in the beautiful studios of WeBeam TV in Port Richie, Florida. I hope everybody's doing great. Uh, somebody put me a message a few weeks ago that I've been using. I asked them if I can use it, and it says, I hope your attitude is positive and all your tests are negative. I thought that was <laughs> such, a, uh, such a neat message to put to somebody. But welcome. We thank you. We have another great show. Uh, uh, this will be our fourth week with our new uh, presentation that we present a panel of experts rather than just one guest. And uh, for the last three weeks, uh, we've been breaking records uh, with all our viewerships between 50 and 75,000 viewers per week. Um, And I want to thank... you know, the guests that have been on, because that's the reason you come on, and tonight is no, uh, or this afternoon is no exception. Uh, Before I get going, I always, always like to say to our new viewers a little synopsis of exactly what 62 Who Knew is. So let me give you that, and then without further ado, we're going to get right to our guests. You know, Everybody, as they approach the age of 62, whether it's their mid or upper 50s or whenever they start to think about retirement, but as they approach that magic age of 62, I, you know, which I, uh, I achieved 62 July in July of this year, we all have the same questions. Other than the top 1% of this country, we all have the same questions. Do I need to keep working? Should I take Social Security now or defer it for a later time? Is it too late to get long-term care insurance? Uh, Do I still need life insurance? And if I do, I let it go years ago. Is it even possible to get back at this age? Do I need a financial planner? Mass America doesn't have a financial planner. Is it too late to get one? Am I wealthy enough to get one? Do I need to be wealthy? Everybody has the same questions, except for that top 1% of the country. And you know what's very interesting about this and what's made this show a success is our fathers had the same question and their fathers had the same questions. What makes this generation, today's baby boomer, the 10,000 people a day that are turning 62 years old in the United States of America for the next 17 years, what makes this generation different? What gives us a bigger hurdle to jump? I'm going to tell you, longer lifespans. In the last three decades, scientific breakthroughs, medical breakthroughs, technology has come so far in the last 30 years that today, statistics say, if you make it to age 62 years old, notice I didn't say be healthy. I said make it to age 62 in the United States of America the odds are better than 50-50 that you're going to make it to 90. So think about that. While you're thinking about Social Security and long-term care and Medicare being three years away, you still have half the time you've been here left on this world. Another 30 years. And we get back to that top 1%. Only the top 1% is capable of making it that 30 years with a decent, dignified lifestyle without help, without assistance, without education. And that's what this television show, that's what 62 Who Knew, the longevity initiative is all about. Every week we endeavor to bring you experts in the fields that will get you from your early 60s to your early 90s with a quality of life. And uh, obviously the principle has gone over because we have grown in the last, what is it, John? Is this our 86th week or 80? 87 weeks. Wow. Um, that's longer than most sitcoms on NBC. 87 weeks. And our audience just continues to grow and grow. So we thank all of you out there. We welcome you to 62 Who Knew. And now, uh, without further ado, we're going to uh, just have an absolutely great show. First, we're going to welcome back two of our three normal panel of experts, Mr. Peter Gelbwachs, a pioneer in the long-term care insurance world. Mr. Mark Goldberg, our best friend and most common guest and also a national influencer in the long-term care insurance world. You know that 62 Who Knew has a very, very uh, special place in their heart for long-term care insurance, especially now in the COVID-19 world that we live in. But our special guest today is Mr. David Licken. If we could bring everybody on, How are you doing, uh, everybody? Today, we only have Mark's uh, very handsome picture. Uh, We don't have video today with Mark, but welcome, everybody. Uh, You saw in my introduction uh, to the show, my marketing and videos today. David, I accidentally said you were a 47-year-old guest coming on. So I made you just a little younger, not too much. I appreciate that. Just a little. But in actuality, a 47-year veteran of the mortgage industry and is the founder, president, and chief transformational officer of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Um, I know that sounds like you would just be a mortgage person, but nothing could be further from Mm. uh, from the truth. I think you just mentioned you sold your last mortgage company two decades ago. Right, but you've become yep. such an influencer in the national mortgage industry and the financial planning industry. Um, I know you've influenced me and, and been a confidant and a mentor. Uh, I can't believe it, but it has been more than 20 years. Uh, so That's I have amazing. Uh, yeah, I have three great people and three great trusted friends on. I always love to do that. So welcome everybody.
1: It's good to see you here. I got to interdict When you said you're two normal guests, now, does that make me an abnormal guest? Well, I, couldn't I, I, resist. Up on that I couldn't resist going I'd not worried right about away. that.
0: <laughs> if you knew these two, you would know they're not normal. But that's another, but that's another <laughs> show altogether. Couldn't, couldn't resist.
2: No, I'd be well, suspicious.
0: Yeah, I'd be su- suspicious. <laughs> well, I hope you become a regular as well because uh, we have some great people on. And, of course, uh, this is the week that... Uh, 62 who knew the Longevity Initiative turns into congratulations. Uh, thank you. Turns into a podcast, which uh, you you were podcasting before it was you know an everyday word. I appeared on your podcast you know before Joe Rogan, before everybody was making it popular. Uh, yeah. You were getting tens of thousands of, yeah. of downloads still am. and still am and growing. You have a new one uh, out now. Tell us about that.
1: Well, we've, uh, the, the the flagship's been around for over 10 years, and that's it on Lending. Uh, and then we launched Lickin' on Leadership, and that's really interesting. What we're doing is going around and collecting uh, interviews of uh, mortgage industry leaders, and we're getting into interviews with people because, you know, I'm 70 years old. I think I'm going to be going well past 90. I'm shooting for the 120 mark mm-hmm. here. Uh, and I, But there are a number of them that are older than I am by a fair amount, and we know that the actuarial tables will kick in, and we don't want to lose the wisdom they have, their experiences. So we're collecting those wow. and aggregating them on on leadership. So it's taking leadership. Uh, Santiago, the philosopher, said if what you fail to learn from history, you're doomed to repeat. So what we're going to do is clack, gather up as many of these stories as we can so that we share them so hopefully we don't repeat some of the same mistakes over and over again. And we've made a few in the mortgage industry.
0: Boy, have we. Um, You know, so many people are against these new stringent laws that we have. I'm not against them. I think they're a pain, but I'm an honest mortgage person. And I have to say, it has always been a little dark spot in our industry that so, so much part of HERA, the Housing Economic Recovery Act of 2009, so much of that was forcing the mortgage business to be honest. And I, I mm-hmm. think we got to get rid of that black mark against us and, and show people that we are a very honest industry. Yep. On a, Absolutely. On a whole. Anyway, so uh, we're going to cover two topics today. And uh, the first topic I'd like to ask you about is I use a blue ocean strategy uh, that actually was introduced to me by Mr. Peter Gelbach years ago when he gave me the book and said, Here, read this. And he's never done that and he hasn't done it since. But he said, Here, Read this. So I did, and part of my Blue Ocean strategy, in addition to joining reverse mortgages with the long-term care world, which we'll discuss on the second part of the show, is I've always wondered why financial planners don't enter the mortgage industry, don't get that license, and when their client calls and says, I'm buying another million-dollar house or a a half-a-million-dollar house, or my son or daughter is buying their first-time house, Why they go, okay, let me refer you to someone, rather than going, wow, this is their biggest asset, albeit probably their biggest liability in many cases. Why they don't take a more hands-on approach to doing that? Um, And I was wondering what your opinion is on that.
1: Well, I think we're seeing certainly the opportunity to be there. it's been there all along. I've yes. been working with financial planners, better part of my 47 years in the mortgage industry, and uh, a lot of them referred business to me. Some of them got into the business, but like one guy I interviewed recently on in my podcast uh, was is literally or was literally a, a rocket scientist, uh, got into the mortgage industry, and he says, "Wow, this we've always said this isn't rocket scientist science." And he said it it's not it's actually more complicated especially with the regulations that are there so i think one of the things is is if you're going to do anything in life you want to pursue excellence you need to make a decision am i going to make this um, very complicated transaction shouldn't be complicated, but we have a tendency as human beings to overcomplicate things. Yeah. Should I go at this? And for some, the answer is yes. And tremendous opportunity. It seems so. It seems like a rhetorical question, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would someone not do this in the financial planning world? But I think for some, they look at what they do well and what they don't do well. I've now been consulting for the last 20 years. One of the first questions I ask someone. It's a new client. What do you do extremely well? What do you not do well? And I think the most important thing is focus on what you do well. Financial planners know everything about your finances. It makes very logical sense that they would. I think what keeps people out, two things, the complexity of it, and quite frankly, the liability of it. Because if you do not cross the T's properly, as you well know, Michael, not that you've ever gone through this, you do things right. But for so many, they cross the T's and they dot the I's uh, in reverse order. They're crossing the I's and dotting the T's, (laughs) and it gets them uh, crosswise with the regulatory bodies. And there's some significant penalties in... uh, in heirs. And so uh, we have something called the plaintiff bar. Mm-hmm. It's a part of the legal profession. I don't particularly care for it. I don't respect it. It's there and it operates around the fringe. It looks for people making mistakes and it exploits those. And they have made millions of dollars doing so. I think those are the reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that people struggle with the decision. Should I get into it or should I refer it out to someone and uh, I don't think they I think the answer is within each person. Uh, but certainly we're seeing a trend where more and more financial planners are interested mm-hmm. in getting in and doing it and providing these services.
0: Right. Peter, I'd like to get your opinion. Do you think it's the same for, you know, I've always said the insurance agent specifically, the long term care insurance agent, you know, their Rolodex is filled with homeowners. Um, and I've always thought, again, uh, that the insurance agent You know, when a family has a problem, they don't get up and go, oh my God, I need to call my financial planner. Um, Some families do. Most families, whether it's my son had an accident with the car, my daughter just got her driver's license, I just got another grandchild, I need to get more life insurance. Almost every problem that I, not problem, but change in my life. I've had to call my favorite insurance man. Not, not my mortgage man, my favorite insurance man, and go, okay, uh, I need some help with this. Uh, Mark and Peter, Peter, you first, um, age before beauty, Mark. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, do you think the, the reasons that David just described, uh, regulation and a little fear of risk there, are stopping insurance people as well?
3: Okay, so let me back up. First of all, hello, David. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Um, to be second happy. of all, Thank Mike you so introduced happy. me as a pioneer in the business and you know how to define pioneers as are the guys with the arrows in their backs. <laughs> yes. So um, Don't feel bad about being in the abnormal versus the normal group. <laughs> um, third, uh, I would like to address because I, like David, have had a, a very interesting relationship with financial planners over the last 40 years of, of being in the insurance business because most of my business in the insurance side has come from financial planning referrals. And I think to answer the question in reference to uh, the, the possible reasons why a financial planner would not enter into the space, so to speak, of either insurance or, in particular, reverse mortgages, one, a lot of them in the past would see it as a potential conflict of interest. Two, what David said is there's a certain amount of risk involved, and they do not like to take risk, particularly since there's virtually no reward for most of them, particularly the ones that are fee-only planners. Uh, so they're resistant to giving a referral um, or getting involved directly. Even just giving a referral to them mm-hmm. could be considered somewhat risky when they don't want to go down that path. Three, I, I believe very much so that most financial planners view themselves as part of a team. They're usually not just dealing with a client. They're dealing with a client on behalf of an attorney, on behalf of a CPA on behalf of an insurance agent. So they're used to referring to people that have more of an expertise in, in a particular field than they do, and they like to be the best at who they are and not necessarily spread out. And then the last reason in my mind would be that there's been controversy in, in both long-term care and in particular in, in reverse mortgage and a lot of confusion in the marketplace as to what you can do, can't do, what you shouldn't do, what you should do. So, I think, you know, they're, they're stepped back from that. Now, with all of that being said, I do think there are good opportunities, there's good reason to, for them to be looking more um, holistically at this and saying, well, this does seem to make sense in some cases. Um, and depending, again, I'll refer back to what David said, um, it's all about who it is. Yeah. It's not, are they comfortable with that individual, with that company that they might be either uh, going into business with? or becoming licensed with, or just referring to. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I may have covered too much there. In, That's in okay. No, no, no Mark. I, I don't see anybody, so I, there you are. Okay.
0: There
2: you go. Mark, do you have anything <laughs> you can add? Okay. <laughs> Hello, David. Nice to make your acquaintance. Um, nice to meet you, Mark. Yeah, I appreciate you meeting that. Did I lie or what? Does he have a great head of white hair? Yeah, like I told you. <laughs> See, we were arguing about the healthy yeah. heads of white hair. In order for me to even have a head of hair, I had to send in this picture from high school.
3: <laughs> you <laughs> see that? And,
2: and, 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 and so, That's so, so funny. So, 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 so again, no, you know, uh, this it, is not really me, Michael. That's the picture that came with the wallet. That's
0: right. The, I um,
3: yeah, yeah. The, You're so, not that good looking.
2: <laughs>
0: okay, well, get serious. I'm trying to go, say, I'm
2: trying to be discovered here. Get serious. I was I am about to say that your generosity was only exceeded by your good looks, but now I don't think I'm going to see it. So there, now, um my concern is something you brought up. And that is that there if you fail to do some of these things, whether they if you especially the financial planners, they do open themselves up to some exposure for, and and again, uh, Peter can talk to this. We both know of lawsuits that have taken place where a financial planner fails to offer an opportunity and their family later on comes to learn about that Mm -hmm. and brings an action because they didn't try to protect them with this product they had in their portfolio. And so why more financial planners aren't seizing on the moment, I'm not sure, though I think it has a lot to do with that complexity that that you brought up. The second part of that is that uh, Peter touched on this, too. I have a nice stable of of, uh, financial planners who use me as their long-term care specialist. They don't want to bother to learn all the details so they say we have a long-term care specialist on staff i'm not under staff but they, right. that's what, how they refer to me right and and i and i handle those issues because they don't want to deal with the declines they don't want to deal with the changes in underwriting they don't mm-hmm. want to deal with all the other things you need to know to be a really good long-term care solution specialist so it, it, it you would think that at the very least if they didn't want to pursue it because of the complexities, they would find a way to partner with someone exactly. who does specialize in that space.
0: Well, and also I want to bring up something because, of course, anytime I'm in a conversation or on a camera, um, the conversation you know gravitates to reverse mortgages. Um, but the truth of the matter is reverse mortgages are less than 0. .0007% of the mortgage world. I am more talking about the classic, um, conforming mortgage, which is what David and I are used to calling it in the layman world. They're calling it the forward world. Um, yeah, that used to be forward commitments to David and I 20 years ago, but that doesn't mean that anymore. The forward world. And although I don't usually do shameless plugs on the TV show, I am going to do one now, uh, because I want to get to our next, because you brought something very, very interesting up, Mark, as you always do, which is a financial planner being sued or entering, entering litigation for something they didn't do, not something they did do. That's, that's, that's very interesting. I want to discuss that in our next segment. But I am going to do a shameless plug because Professional Mortgage Alliance, my company, is doing an experiment in two states uh, for about a year now, and it's doing... Very, very well, where we have created a platform where once a financial planner is properly licensed nationally and statewide, that we basically take the liability away from them, not just with our liability insurance by furnishing a website that literally is not capable of doing a mortgage without the proper disclosures. It just can 't be done. Um, So we've been having some luck with it with a bunch of financial planners. I shouldn't say a bunch. That's an exaggeration. A group of financial planners in Florida. We just started in New Jersey. Um, But not only are they being compensated well, not only is their practice enjoying an entirely new stream of income, but they're actually telling us it's helping them keep another generation of clients where their client's child that they've known for 20 years and is now buying a home, wasn't necessarily going to do business with dad's financial planner. But now that he helped him get his first house, not real estate-wise, but mortgage-wise, suddenly they're picking up the next generation of clients. So they're finding that by offering mortgages, this could help them.
1: What do you think about that, David? Well, I think there's the, the the referral part of it is certainly there, and but do you have to be uh, the solution to be able to do that? I think it's what you, I, mean, I think Mark brought up a really good point. It's the layered risk. I mean, one thing, mortgage lenders in themselves have a layer of risk. Then you put on on top of that another layer of are you offering the right products, the best products? We already have that responsibility in mortgage lending, but it gets added or multiplied if you're a financial planner. Mm -hmm. Again, all I'm saying is I'm not discouraging financial planners necessarily from doing it. I'm just saying count the cost, look at the risk, find out what you really want to be the expert on. And I think there's a strong argument for financial planners to be the advocate of their client as they're working with another company Mm -hmm. rather than being the solution and opening themselves up to more of a liability uh, than I think. Most are even willing to even consider, or if they look at it, it looks good because there is really good money in mortgage lending right now. Is Tremendous, it? un, never seen margins like this right, right now. Never right. in the history of forty-seven years in yeah, the yeah, industry, yeah. never seen margins quite like this. Yeah, uh, so there's, it's tempting. When you start looking at the gold that's in these veins right now okay. of mortgage lending. However, this is a very cyclical industry. It wasn't but 18 months or 24 months where the margins were the thinnest right. they've ever been. So we have these wide swings, and I think you need to look at it. And it's it's a long-term commitment if you're going to do it. Just think it through carefully. Get good, right. good, good, good. Counsel.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to leave us with one final thought and then we're going to switch topics. And what's remotivated me, I mean, I've been motivated for a while with the blue ocean, <laughs> but I'm doing several mortgages right now because rates are at a record low. I mean, mm-hmm. my God, we're doing fixed 30 years in the twos, um, 15 years in the mid twos, and I'm refinancing VA loans for people In the low twos, I mean, this is 1960s rates, Um, but I'm doing a few right now for clients that I'm not only refinancing their home, but I'm refinancing three or four of their investment properties. And they're in my age bracket. They're in their mid-60s to above. Um, And these mortgages are six to seven years old. In the high fours, I'm taking them into the twos and threes. So I ask the question, what possessed you in in your 60s seven years ago to get a 30 year mortgage. I see you qualify. <laughs> Why didn't you do a 20 year or 15 as well? You know, my mortgage guy told us to get a 30. So I, I asked because of the blue ocean, did you consult your financial planner before getting a 30 year mortgage? at 66 years old. Well, no. And that's what keeps me in. I think, and again, No insult to my brothers and sisters in the mortgage world, none at all. I think a financial planner that has a fiduciary responsibility to do what's right may make some better suggestions, but I'll leave us at that. Um, And uh, I want to go to this next topic because it's our favorite topic. Um, I don't want it to be the only topic, but it has become our favorite, and that is the fact that there is a long-term care uh, crisis in this country that has been for two decades. There's no way to get around it. People don't talk about it. It's not as glitzy as all the Wall Street and political uh, conflicts. Um, but COVID-19, sometimes it takes a tragedy, you know, to to bring that out. But there is no doubt in my mind that tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, possibly Peter or Mark can can correct me on that, of, of seniors that may have died in their beautiful facility, not putting down their facility, that if, in fact, they were aware that they could have had the type of insurance coverage that got them the same expertise but allowed them to stay home, not in a petri dish um, for this disease that is that has been killing seniors more than anybody, a lot of them would still be alive. So... Uh, I don't want to do a scare tactic. That's never our goal here. But I think uh, it's time that all the, the, the network newses and the cable news networks that we were discussing before we went on air, they never talk about the long-term care crisis. And, and it's not just the poor people you know, living on the wrong side of the tracks. It's the person with the $500,000 house that's free and clear with a Mercedes in the driveway, but they are one or two medical fiascos, possibly away from financial ruin, And right. they should have long-term care insurance. So um, yet we can't really get the financial planning world to really adopt that. I know Mark has people that send them. I know Peter has, but Mark and Peter are not the rule. They never are. They're exception to the rule. Most financial planners that I know, and when I speak at financial planning um, you know, uh, trade shows, They're very hesitant to bring that up. And and I wonder why,
1: because they still are. And I'll I'll go Um, to you first, David. Well, I, I think you raise up a really good point. I mean, at 70 years old, I look at what uh, is available to us. Uh, first of all, I keep going to this. I challenge many people that enter retirement. I've tried retirement. It's one of the few things I've failed at in my life. I just can't seem to uh, successfully retire. I get bored, or uh, maybe it's my wife encourages me to go do something, and, and I enjoy what I do. I, I think when, I think the other thing is, is, what is the blessing of getting older? Experience. Mm-hmm. And as all the years of experience all of us have gained, why not give that back? And I think you'll look at what will give you longer life and whatever life you have, a more fulfilling life is when you're giving back. So I've been in the mortgage industry for 47 years. I've been consulting for the past 20 years. This is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And to be able to get on and help inspire the next generation and quite frankly, help them avoid some of the mistakes I made and mistakes that others made is, is so rewarding and uh i'm a advocate for the mortgage industry because you know it's uh it's one of the most significant investments anyone makes is their mortgage or as their home and most need a mortgage so But going back to the the, the health insurance, the long-term care, I mean, this is a real issue that we're facing in our country. And uh, one thing I think I look at is there's a way to get the insurance. The other thing is how to stay healthy. So my suggestion is consider finding a way to use all your years of experience and give back. You may find that there's some health benefits that come with that uh, as a result.
0: All right. And talking about people that have a hard time retiring, uh, Peter, I know uh... (laughs) – (laughs)
3: <laughs> also, the yeah, only I, don't, th- I don't I don't know how to define or spell that word even, but I, I do have to quickly refer you to three stories that I'm dealing with, three individuals right now this week that to tie this all together. One, he's a fee- based financial planner in South Florida, forty years old, called me yesterday about a fifty five year old client of his that dropped dead in in front of his wife in uh, in his office. With no pre existing conditions. And he felt so terrible. Forget about what Mark, not forget, but let's just set aside the possible liability, potential liability, or the lack of, uh, of, of doing the right thing for this client. He had no life insurance. And my financial planner, client, and friend was feeling so terrible that he wasn't aggressive or assertive enough to get this man to purchase life insurance. And now he's dealing with the mess. That's number one. Number two, I have a very close friend of 35 years that's sitting in Cedars of Lebanon Hospital right now over in LA who had an ankle infection that that then developed into a kidney infection and a spine infection and would not go to the rehab that they wanted him to go to. And now he's gonna come home with a 24-7 aid and was also saying to me in the same breath, not only do I not wanna to go to the rehab center for multiple reasons, but I don't have any long-term care insurance. And I, I was never able myself to get this man of 30 year friendship into buying long-term care insurance. And, you know, I don't have a response to that. Like I told you so, or, or you know, you should have known better. I mean, I, you know, it's like, what do you say to somebody like that? Right. And, right. and then the third one is, this is like a crazy week for me, um, is a very close friend also of 40 years, who's 73 and is having a brain aneurysm a surgery today that was, she was out walking and then all of a sudden didn't feel well and, and uh, one thing led to the other and, and she's in surgery as we speak and who knows what the end result of that is. So, without proper preparation, you know, it's, it's more than preparing for it. It's, it's recognizing uh, that you even have the possible problem, number one, agreeing that, you know, that there, there's, there's a higher chance than you may be uh, thinking that there is. And then doing the research, doing the homework, because we have a problem. And again, I heard you say it. And we don't want to be too salesy sounding. Right. We want to be more on the advising side of this when we when we do these kind of shows. But we, Mark and I, got the same message uh, this week, earlier this week, from a major A plus rated company that they were withdrawing from the market temporarily, completely withdrawing their products. And I believe we sent that to you. Uh, yes, uh, you did because they're concerned right now now hopefully a year from now we will not have that concern but right now long term care insurance carriers are, are deciding whether or not they even want to be offering long term care insurance particularly to certain age groups at this juncture mm-hmm. so why people are waiting beyond you know, is beyond me it's just beyond me at yeah. this point you've never been exposed to so much risk in your life and you're still resisting so i, I don't i don't really have good answers. I have more questions than answers tonight.
0: Yeah. Mark, I know you, this is one of your favorite topics.
2: And, um, and rightfully so, um, there's so many different ways to go on this that I'm sure David and, and Peter can relate to. And you too, Michael, you, you live in the world too, as far as, um, knowing what, you know, what we see. I, I'm, I'm reminded real quickly, one of the most, um, moving or most, uh, satisfying, um, uh, Experiences I had as a long-term care solution specialist was in the very beginning. I started in the year 1991. I think this happened in 92. And that was uh, when I went to see a client, and he hadn't seen the doctor in about a decade. And I said to him, you're going to have to go see the doctor because they're going to want records to be fresh at least to two years back. The longest, you're going to have to go see a doctor. And when he did, he found out that he had advanced prostate cancer. And he called me in tears saying, you saved my life. If you hadn't come to my home and got me to go and get this checked out, I would have never known. And I probably would have been dead before I figured out what was what. So, I mean, I can't thank you enough. Now, I couldn't qualify for long-term care, but that's who cares. Yeah. The that fact that he, that, that he was able to find out early enough, um, and, and do something about it without knowing about it, which is a very rewarding experience. Um, and that's part of this whole idea of being more aware. You keep talking about the fact that that, uh, that one of the big game changers has been COVID, the virus, the, pan- the yes. uh, pandemic. And it has in so many ways. 42% of all the deaths are happening in, in, in some form of, of long-term care facility. That's the first place they're giving these, this vaccine out mm-hmm. after the frontline people is to the people living in those facilities because they're congregated together and they don't have an option. On the other hand, we've talked about this on a past show of all my clients that had a long term care policy with me that were in a facility when this came, every one of them without exception are either back at home, their mm-hmm. home or in, in their home with their children. Because they had control over the process, they didn't have to stay in a place where they can, couldn't control their environment and be subject to what this pandemic has brought on. So, the control that it gives you, the, the ability to, to protect your, your resources—again, um, we we tend to confuse the real purpose of long-term care. Yes. Mm-hmm. First off, yeah first off nobody nobody you you said it before nobody is sitting around saying i can't wait to get to that nursing home <laughs> so hmm. it's it's not a it's not a topic that people want to think about it in fact the single best the most common thing i hear after a, plan, a person gets a plan is thank goodness i don't have to worry about this anymore
0: mm-hmm. now
2: i can spend that money on the second house or i can spend that money on the boat i wanted to get or whatever the trip i wanted to take not so much a trip these days but mm-hmm. the but um the other the other things that i wanted because i don't have to worry if something happens and i'm not prepared because i have this plan in place so the the, uh, the, the good that the product achieves goes way beyond just paying for someone's care. And, um, and it's important that we, we continue to get that message out. COVID has actually put the spotlight on it.
3: Yeah. And and we, we- Mike, let me just jump in. And not that he didn't do a great job. He always does a great job. But I want to just clarify a basic item here. Um, and that is people do not ever have to go into a nursing home, a rehab center, uh, an assisted living facility, in order to utilize the benefits from long-term care insurance. And we got to make sure that they understand that. It's mm-hmm. it's a plan that gives you the independence, it gives you the opportunity to, to get care at home or in someone else's home you never or in any other area other than a, a nursing home or assisted living. You never have to utilize that part of the, of the program in order to be able to get benefits from long-term care insurance. So. I just want
0: to make sure everyone understands that. It is always, it's always amazing to me as a novice, a non-insurance person that learns this knowledge from you guys and and Bill Comfort and and people like that, that when I bring it up to a friend, you you know, you're in your 50s, you're younger than me, go get it now while it's cheap. So many people still come back with I don't need nursing home coverage. And I go, no, no. It, I, I learned this from Ma. It's not nursing home coverage. It's anti-nursing home right. coverage. And exactly. it's amazing that false uh, narrative that's still out there, and it's the year 2020. Yeah.
2: Very good. I'm glad you're paying attention in, in I the have. previous shows. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. That's, re- that's rewarding.
0: One of the One of the things that you said on our second show, well, not our second show, the second show that you were on, you were nice enough to be on our on our first uh, when we were hoping for uh, David. We were hoping for anywhere north of 200 views on our first show, where I had an author that worked uh, that wrote a nice book, a PhD uh, about buying your last home. It's when we were having two guests per show, right. and our second sh- uh, half of the show uh, was Legend of the Long Term Care. Uh, insurance world, Mr. Mark Goldberg and uh, Mr. John Gaston, who owns this television company, knew I had big dreams. He said, "Look, it's your first show. Mm. If you're north of 200, be happy." And uh, after the show, well, he
3: used that number only because I have 190 relatives that that's were right. going to well, That, in. That's that's right. that <laughs> didn't, that's right.
0: yeah, that didn't, yeah, that just, yeah, you and 10 that's other right. people. And, uh, and his we ended mother up, has
2: 190 computers all too. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you remember, but on that first show, we had 6,200 viewers. Wow! Um, wow! And, and we looked at each other and went, "Wow, yeah, what can we do with this?" Um, but you brought up something, Mark, that is, uh, well, one of the things you said on that the second time you were on, and I'd like you to repeat it before we go in back to David and and maybe how the three of us, and Bill Comfort, of course, always, and Stephen Sless, our panel of experts, can help get this out to the financial planning world, build more connections, build more partnerships nationally through this TV show, um, our webcast, possibly David's webcast. Um, You brought up something to me that just hit so close to home, and that is the survivorship or the survival rates of the caregivers, because when I, I remember when dad was getting older, um, you know, I was very proud of the fact that if dad needed help, you guys know I wrote the book on him. Um, David, did you get the book? I did. Okay, good. Thank you. Oh, you're, it's excellent. You're, you're very welcome. You know, I was so proud. No, if, you know, I love my mother very much, but we're a Jewish family, David. Mark is Jewish. Uh, they, uh, Peter is Jewish, so they can relate to this. My mother and father, would be out to dinner, and my mother would say to me, I know you keep saying that if Dad gets sick, he's going to move in with you, but what if Dad goes first? What's going to happen to me? And I always used to say, Mom, I love you more than life itself, and you will be in the finest facility money can buy, (laughs) and we're going to visit you very often. Um, And and Mom did go first, which was very sad. Um, But I was so proud that I would take care of of my dad, no matter what, um, and the last year of his life was a good year, but with congestive heart failure and and the and other things happening, um, being a caretaker isn't easy. And I didn't know that. I took pride in it, but the emotional wear and tear. Uh, I think we talked about this on the last show. Uh, quite frankly, the first time uh, that he had an accident in bed, and he was a big guy right to the end, and And I was helping, and he went, you're my son. You shouldn't be doing this. And I went, no, I'm your son. I should be doing this. But, you know, World War II, greatest generation, he went, no, I don't want you doing this. This is not the way our great relationship, you know, is going to end. So we ended up getting caretakers. Dad did not have long-term care insurance. I didn't know, you know, Mark and, and, and Peter at that time. And I have to tell you, like you say, Mark, I spent the last six months of dad's life being his son, which beat the hell out of being his caretaker um, or right. being both. And yeah. I know you have a statistic, Mark, right on you know the tip of your tongue, which I don't remember, unfortunately, of how many caretakers really predecease the people that are taking care of it. And I know every time you say it, I get the chills, so say it. Well-
2: Two stats. One, 40% of all people who become caregivers end up predeceasing their spouse.
0: Uh, that, and that and is- that's
2: because of all the stress that comes on there. And you can think of plenty yep. of examples that that, that that happened to that. Uh, again, the most dangerous years of your life are the year you're born and the year your spouse passes away. Mm-hmm. And you, you can see statistics that will, will support that how many times the spouse will die within a year of mm-hmm. when the first spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second statistic is, this is even more significant, I think, is that if you become a caregiver to someone else, it is eight times more likely that you will end up needing care yourself. Again, because of the stress that comes on to the person giving the care. It's not the person getting the care. Their life is preset. The person that's giving the care has to deal with all the uncertainties. Mm-hmm. If they don't have long-term care insurance, like both of you just shared stories about, they're watching the money disappear and disappear fast. What are they going to live on when the when the uh, person that's getting the care is gone? It's to, their lifestyle is going to be greatly diminished if they don't have have mm-hmm. haven't done something to protect it. So that and all the uncertainties and the plannings and coordinating of all the things that have to you know that come into putting a plan of care together, it has an enormous impact on uh, the people actually giving the care. And
3: that's- I can, better, I can personalize this. that even further. Yeah, I what, know. What motivated me to get involved in long-term care insurance 35 years ago was my caregiving experience with my mom. My mom had 16 surgeries, 60 hospital stays, five broken hip operations, emphysema, cancer, heart, and manic depression. Wow. I spent a quarter of a million dollars to take care of her before she passed away. And she never could qualify for long-term care insurance. So in my checking into it, in my investigating it, I, you know, it was a very personal experience, and I began sharing that story. That, I, as you know well, uh, Mike and Mark, the Blacks family long-term care dilemma. Will it be your family story across America for many, many years? Writing also many articles and books about the personal experience going through the financial, the, the physical, the emotional devastation that takes place. And at least you can do is avoid the financial part by planning for that one, um, if nothing else. So. You know, it wasn't a business decision on my part. It right. was a decision, right. a personal experience.
0: Same thing with me. And David, you know, um, and I know you're great at this message, but I think you're the best person on the show that has been able to get their message out. I mean, um, I speak nationally. Mm-hmm. You know that on reverse mortgages. Uh, Mark and Peter has been speaking nationally t- twice as long as me, um, maybe longer, you know, on what we do. But you actually made the conversion from mortgage person um, to national podcaster and getting a specific message out. How do we get this message out to all worlds that we need to be
1: doing this together? Well, well, one of the things that I encourage each one of us have a voice, each one has a a, voice experiences and we, each of us have unique personalities and people that are going to look at me and say, I don't know, I don't like that guy for what this reason or that reason, uh, are, are going to go to a Mark or a Peter or you or vice versa. I think it takes all of us. I think someone mm-hmm. that goes out and says, well, I am not going to speak on that because there's so many people already talking about that. Granted, that may be true, but they don't have your experience. They don't have your voice pattern. They don't have your personality. And when you combine your experience, your voice pattern, and uh, all the things that are unique about you, you're going to reach people that might not otherwise be reached. And it only takes us one. So I think a lot of it starts with your why. Why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, I know you you have a passion to help people. And Peter and, and Mark, I'm just getting to meet you here. Very clear uh, when you hear the story, especially, Peter, you talking about your mom, why you started selling this uh, long-term health care insurance. I mean, uh, I remember being presented it when I was very, very young. I go, ah, that's forever. That's a long ways out. I won't worry about that. Um But then that day happens real quickly. And I think it's so important. It's probably one of the most important things that we prepare for is the end of life. And we're so busy living life that we don't prepare it well. So get a good why. Get out there to explain why. Again, it comes back to whether you're advising people as I do in a business with my business experience now, or it's just going out and making a difference in people's lives. Whatever your motivation is, you'll never be disappointed by going out and trying to share some message, whether you're trying to profit from it, if you're trying to get famous, Go do something else. You can do something stupid on YouTube and get yeah. a million likes overnight. and Or you could do something right. um, positive to help people. Life. So I want to applaud uh, Mark and Peter and you, Michael, for what you're doing with this program to get the message out. And the fact that you had 6,000 views when they said you'd be thrilled if you get 200 is speaking to the, uh, to the audience and the demographics that are out there. There's a lot of people looking for solutions. Go. Bring what your solution is, is what I'd recommend to anybody listening to this.
2: Right. Uh, David, he won't say it to you, but he's exceeding 100,000 viewers now.
0: Yeah. We're oh, getting, wow. Well, we're wow. approaching 100,000 now. Yeah. Um, question I, I was going to ask before. Especially but, when
2: Peter and I are on. Well, right. of when, course. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> of course. We'll go into millions soon. I, I need to ask just out of curiosity because I am aware of a, what I consider a financial genius um, who is also a rocket scientist was the man you were referring to
1: oh it was uh mr showalter of uh, candor an older gentleman who is a rocket scientist he now has a technology solution that helps uh, in the underwriting of mortgage zones so i just uh, i just really admire really smart people who who once they get done with their main career, go out and find and apply their skills, their brilliance to another career. So very exciting. Yeah, that it was. Peter, a, did you see
0: that? Uh, you uh, see that I'd love to get an introduction. He's not the uh, the rocket scientist that um, that uh, that I was sitting next to at a at a meeting once, and he really was a rocket scientist. And we were talking, and um, he actually was giving an example of why he thinks the public, and he's a down to earth guy. Uh, a little five foot two Jewish man, um, down to earth. I mean, but he's got so many master's degrees. It's ridiculous. And he's, he's kind of uncharacteristically said, you can't trust the public with this long-term care message. Cause that's what we were talking about. And in, in, it was called the Heckam task force, which yeah. is still very, very big. Uh, the head of it is Shirley Giordano, one of the finest voices in our industry. Um, And so everybody said, well, why do you say that? He says, I'm going to give you an example of how ignorant the public is or how ignorant mankind is. Well, okay, everybody went, go ahead. He went, okay, they invented the wheel about 5,000 years ago, okay? (laughs) They invented luggage about 500 years ago, yeah? It was 1986 before there was a patent done to put wheels on the luggage, luggage. for five thousand <laughs> so years. Funny. We, I remember him going. We slept it through the airport, through the bus station, <laughs> to the, the horse cap 1986. Somebody went. Why don't we put a wheel on that big box? We walked
2: on the That's moon, so David. Funny. Before we learned to put That's wheels right. on, on suitcase. luggage.
0: Yeah. So and I always yeah. remembered that.
2: Um, and Peter, Peter G. Yes. Yeah. You said you said to me underwriting a reverse mortgage isn't rocket science. I think we just heard that obviously it's what rocket science scientists are doing in their yeah, spare time. That's under, right. So it must be rocket science.
3: I don't know. Well, I think that's, that's
0: not rocket mortgage, is it? No, no, okay. no, no, not rocket mortgage. No, professional mortgage <laughs> alliance. Well, you know, one of the advantages, and again, we spoke about this before we were on the air, you know, of all the new regulations that came out of the great recession between 2008, 2013, some people say it ended 2012, um, and I hate to say this, but I've got to say it, it weeded out, I'd have to say 99%, I don't know if you agree with that, David, um, of the bad seeds of my mortgage world. Um, because right now, not just my website, but every major uh, mortgage uh, processing program, underwriting program, will literally not allow you to go to the next screen unless you do the right thing on the previous screen. Um, so it has become so highly technological. I mean, a lot of people forget that the mortgage industry was actually the first industry. David knows this better than anyone. Cause he did so much work with the ex legendary countrywide, but when countrywide came out with their artificial intelligence, the underwrite alone, that was the first artificial intelligence uh, in the financial world. And, of course, it then grew into uh, Fannie Mae's desktop underwriting and Freddie Mac's loan prospector. But now we enter tax returns, W-2s, and paycheck steps into a program, and 90% of our mortgages are approved with no human interaction. There's some. Hey, Mike,
3: go ahead. I'd love, I'd love you to spend the you and, and Dave to spend the last five minutes on pulling out your crystal ball and telling our audience where you see the the mortgage forward and reverse mortgage going over. Let's say not too far out, maybe a year or two over the next year or two. I'd love to hear that. I'm, oh, sure uh, oh, awesome. I'm acquiescing ah. to David.
0: My crystal ball has never been. My crystal ball is like a crystal marble. I'm acquiescing to David.
1: I'll talk well, about reverse. I think we are right now at a very pivotal point in our election, area in our country. This election is going to determine a lot. If we have uh, President Biden in there or President Biden, we're going to see a lot more regulatory world. We're going to see more of Mae and Freddie Mac most likely staying inside of the federal government. They make a lot of money. If we see uh, four more years of President Trump, then we're going to see the GSEs, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, specifically spun out. We're going to see a lot more innovation when it comes to the loan products and loan uh, programs that are out there because the private enterprises are moving over and over again to be more innovative than the the. Uh, public sector within the federal government, uh, specifically. So I believe that it's going to be – we're at a really interesting point. Either way, automation is coming in, and more and more. Michael talked about Desktop Underwriter. I had one of the first loan origination systems uh, was created in my garage. Uh, so and it went public and did real well. So we've seen that it, but you know, automation in the mortgage industry has moved at the side at the speed of a glacier. It's just been mm-hmm. so slow in coming, but we're now seeing a lot of things like Tom Showalter bringing out some amazing things um, uh, as far as underwriting and accelerating the process. So it is very possible that you're going to see a mortgage g- be able to be obtained at about the same rate as, a, as an auto loan mm-hmm. uh, where you go in, you, like a vehicle, you decide this is the vehicle we want, you're going to you're going to enter some data in there, or more importantly, they'll just say, do I have your authorization to download that? I just recently did a series of podcasts where your data will be stored in an encrypted manner, which you, the consumer, control. So there's a, there's a company out there uh, that does this very well. I just had them on my uh, podcast. And what it is, is the consumer allows you, it turns the key, or it gives you the ability to look into their electronic folder through crypto technology and they're going to turn it on and it can be viewed and the data extracted out of there they shut it off and then it's secure so it's going to become more secure it's going to get to the point where decisions can be made in a matter of minutes versus uh, weeks and uh, unfortunately in some cases months so the acceleration which it happens now here's an interesting thing that That means the rate at which you could get a mortgage could happen very quickly, which means you need more advice. Now, that could make it more advantageous Mm -hmm. for the financial planner to get involved in the mortgage because they're not having to do a lot of the complexity that's there. So I would say that's a bookmark to sit and think about if you're a financial planner listening to this. It's going to actually get easier for other industries to get involved. In fact, We're begging for other industries to get involved in the mortgage industry. We need innovation and different processes. So first thing, automation. You're going to see crypto crypto technology begin to make it where the consumer really owns their information and will turn it on by permission when you're sitting there. And then at that point, it's the financial planner's role of being able to consider all these options and say, which one do I want? Pick the one that is the best for them, and if it happens at that rate, you are going to need a third party who's thought through all these options. A mortgage lender says, I've got these products. These are the right for me. And uh, what was it? Henry Ford says, hey, you can have any car you want and, and any color you want. Or you can have a car any color you want so long as it's black. That's because you sell <laughs> black cars. Mortgage lenders, and we're going to see, I believe it is distinctly possible, we're going to see a lot of innovation come into the loan products because it's a very distinctly possible that we're going to see new innovation with fannie Mae and freddie mac being spun out of the federal government and therefore the complexity of the loan programs is going to increase therefore even more so that you have a financial planner in there working with you my youngest daughter 23 years old just got married she and her husband already have a financial planner they're out buying their first home and guess who they went to not Dad. For advice they went to their financial planner mm-hmm. and uh, so and i encourage that i think it's a brilliant way to go
0: with 20 seconds we're going to go a little over schedule here i want to say to all our tv viewers if you want to continue to watch because i do want to do a couple of more things you can go you can stay on 62 who knew you can go to stay on WeBeamTV.com and continue to watch us uh the tv portion will be off in about three seconds or you can go to facebook Um, But I want to continue two things. I I want to ask you about something you said that I saw um, Peter react to facially.